0: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. My name is John Manuel, and I'm joined at the Baseball America podcast nook for the first time by Connor Glassy, who uh, was introduced to all of us here at Baseball America as... No, I didn't say Connor Gillaspie. I said <laughs> Connor Glassie, which just tells you just how dorky we are, Connor, but uh, <laughs> I mean as a full compliment, you fit right in, so well, welcome to Baseball America's podcast. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> He's also introduced us to Sarah <clears throat> Empanada, which we're very excited about, so... It's a. It's starting to get into the rotation. It's kind of like a midweek starter right now, but I have a feeling it could become a regular weekend guy. I, as think, we get closer so. To I it. think so. I think uh, so. I. know my food and, Sarah's empanadas. It's, it's a, it's a plus plus lunch lunch establishment. I think so. I think uh, if we keep on pimping it a little bit more, it might become the. You might have to send your emails to the Sarah Zempagnata's inbox at podcast <laughs> podcast at baseballamerica dot com, or you could follow our Twitter page sponsored by nobody right now, but opportunity does await at uh, twitter dot com backslash baseball america. That was Connor's idea, and so you can follow us on Twitter. And I mean, uh, I do think we've got more than a thousand followers. You just said we did to us before yep. we came yep. on air here, and uh, I, I think you know this is the time if you really are a Baseball America fan. And you're into the technology like that, I think this is the time because we've had pretty constant updates on the draft blog the last – well, this entire month. Mm -hmm. And now it's just getting ready to get stupid like looped with our our updates because actually the thing is like can we update the blog enough while we're updating the paid content on the site enough? That's – the challenge this time of year, because there's so much... If you're a subscriber or if you're ever thinking about subscribing, if you subscribe right now, you'd think, oh my God, I'm getting more than my money's worth because we're going to have so much content. It's sick. Uh, that's true. And that's true. We are... We've
1: all been stretched thin, you know, working, <laughs> burning the midnight oil and just, you know,
0: working hard to bring everybody the best, best draft coverage out there. And it's fun to do. Uh, that's the problem with it. That's why you end up working so hard. And that's why Aaron... You know, fit for example, just got just read a weekend preview. He's been college blogging all week, and now he's going to see Georgia Tech and uh, Duke uh, with a nice Duke with a couple of interesting sleeper uh, prospects. Uh, You know, that's why we're both going to probably go sometime this weekend. uh, Clemson at North Carolina State. Clemson has some pretty interesting prospects, including Chris Wire, draft eligible freshman. So that's in our uh, that's all coming up in our draft preview issue this year with the drafting pushed back a little bit and the way our Publication schedule work. We actually have a two-part draft preview issue for people to look forward to. The first issue, which we just finished today, going to press uh, as we speak, uh, that issue has the same amount of scouting reports as we've always had in a draft preview issue. In fact, it might even have a few more, and they're just organized. Instead of one to two hundred, they're organized by position. That was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, that was and of and the midnight oil, Connor. <laughs> we've had a couple of nine o'clock at night meetings, which yeah. are always uh, – interesting this time of year i'd say that that's been the least fun part of the process the most fun part of the process has been going to the games and talking to the scouts and meeting some of these guys uh you've gone to games around here and you've also been out on the west a couple trips for us this year let's talk about some of the players that you and i have both seen this spring and the one thing i think that's the biggest uh thing i wish we had done we got to see him last summer with team usa but neither of us have seen Steven Strasburg this spring. That's been I've seen him on TV once. I I should I stand corrected, but uh, you know we we haven't seen him in person. And suffice it to say, that seems like that's been a a great treat for everybody who's gotten a chance to see that guy. I I know I'm jealous of normally of people who live in San Diego, but now I'm even more jealous because this year he's been been insane.
1: Yeah, I, I earlier in the year you know I was checking flights, to see how cheap I could get out there because this is a guy that. That kind of talent does not come around very often. No, it doesn't. You know? And um, like you said, I, I am jealous of people who've gotten to see him. And but we've gotten to see some good good players ourselves. You know, we're here in North Carolina
0: get to see Dustin Ackley, yep. Alex White. Um, two. I mean, those are two first ten potential <laughs> picks. I think they're both first ten talents. Um, you also got to see Grant Green on a trip mm-hmm. up to to, to UW. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about those two players because to me. Uh, They entered the year as the top two position players available, uh, especially on the college side. Uh, I think Donovan Tate could definitely contend with them on the high school side. But Ackley's had, uh, especially right now, he's red hot. He's back over 400. Uh, There are at least three general managers or scouting directors in to see him today as Boston, uh, they're in Boston, North Carolina, is at Boston College this weekend. And then you have Grant Green with UCLA, I mean, with USC, where, I mean, you know, there's – several sky directors who live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had the scrutiny all year. They've had really divergent seasons, it seems like, but then we check the stats while we're editing this issue, and Grant Green's back up to 365. Kind of what's your feel for those two players? What were your impressions seeing them this spring? Well, actually, you know, I've seen him more, and he's been, he's been fun to watch. Um,
1: he has just such a patient approach at the plate. Right. He goes up there. You know he's looking for his pitch. I mean, to me, he can almost be a little too patient sometimes. Yeah, I Sometimes agree. it looks like he's up there looking to take a walk. And, you know, he, as one of the best hitters in the country, yeah. maybe the best hitter in the country, um, sometimes I would like to see him be, be a little bit more aggressive. He has
0: 40-plus walks this year, so I think yeah, it's 41 or I mean, 42 and walks. And that's
1: great, but his thing is hitting. He has such
0: good hit ability. Yeah, um, He barrels up balls. Very consistently. And, you know, the, the, the amazing thing to me is that his power has always kind of been questioned. He's got 16 home runs this year. He's second in the ACC. He had 17 yeah. his first two years. He has 16 this year. I do think that he, as good as he is, I think he's streaky. You know, I've seen him getting streaks, and he was in one last year in Omaha where everything was up the middle. He just wasn't pulling anything. Mm-hmm. But he also was never late. Everything was at the middle. If you looked at his hit chart, I bet you it would have just been singles straight up the middle. Line drive after line drive after line drive. Yeah. And it didn't seem like he was in a mode where he was wanting to turn on the ball. But this year, he has gotten in that mode. and I think that's where maybe some of the patience come from. I think he's feeling his way mm-hmm. of being a hitter who is so good and so gifted with his hand-eye coordination. But I think he's trying to figure out, okay, I'm supposed to work myself into account to get a pitch I can drive. I don't think he knows yet how to do it. I think he's learning it. I think he will learn it. But um, yep. I, I, to me, his offensive upside is pretty unlimited. I, I, I think he's a future batting champion. I, I definitely could see that. I, I don't know how much, you know, you
1: talked about his, his power this year. I don't know how much he's actually going to hit for, you know, yeah. with Wood against Major League Pitching. But, That's a tough uh, question. But he is a guy that can hit a line drive anywhere he wants. He has the speed.
0: You know, he can get on base. Um, he, he's a, and he, You know, he plays hard. I, I, yeah. That's underrated, but maybe that's more of a fan experience part as opposed to a objective analyst or whatever. But as someone who just likes baseball, mm-hmm. uh, one moment really stood out for me on Sunday, the last game I saw him play, and he had a pop-up. And he was clearly frustrated, and he you know, took the bat in his right hand and chucked it into the ground, probably left a couple divots. But then he sprinted as the ball was in the air. He yeah. was basically to second base by the time the ball came down. You just don't see that many people do that. Not especially the best player on the team. And the guy who's, frankly, been their best player for three years. And they've had some other high picks. He's been the best player on the team since the day he walked on the field for North Carolina. He's led them to Omaha twice before. It wouldn't shock me if you let them back to Omaha, even though this team has some real deficiencies. But that's a whole other story. And, yeah. Uh, but but Grant Green, speaking of a team with deficiencies, well, let's you, hold you on. Can wrap up, Ackley, but Let's yeah. hold on with with that, just a second. Let's go back. I mean, yeah. if
1: you're going to pick a guy that high, you're yeah. banking on the fact that he's going to be, be a center fielder for you. I think
0: so. Um, you saw him out in center field. How do you look? Uh, good question. I thought I, I was actually impressed the game that I saw him uh, with his ball tracking. I did watch him actually in t- in the infield mm-hmm. shagging balls. And then I watched him during the game, and that's pretty much all I was really bearing down on in the entire game was, was Dustin Ackley. And, you know, he there was a line drive to the gap, a left center field line drive, and that's the ball that really, he, there was a play that had to be made, and he made the play. Everything else was fairly routine. You could see him backing up plays. There was a play where there was a throw to second, and neither the second baseman nor the shortstop covered and Mark Fleury, he's also going to be a high-draft pick. His throw was right on the bag, mm-hmm. but there was no one there to catch it. So, But but Ackley recognized that and came in quickly and backed up the play. So that was interesting. But the play to the gap was a line drive to the left center field gap. He took the right route. He got there quickly. He got the ball back into the infield quickly, but his arm is – it's not there. He's wearing a wrap on his elbow mm-hmm. when he plays the outfield. I did not notice him wearing that when he played first base other times this year. No. He had Tommy John surgery in probably September. I think it was, and his arm's not all the way back. Right. And he admitted to some soreness after the game. So that's the only question for me. And I, you know, to me, so much of where they profile depends on how your team looks. Mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Garco does not fit the pro- profile at first base. Where the 2007 Indians went really deep and almost went to the World Series. With Ryan Garko at first base having a good year. Why? Because that Victor Martinez behind the plate and Grady Sizemore in center and J- right. Johnny Peralta at shorts, that had guy's hitting for non profile power at those positions. Uh, so on the right team, whether Dustin Ackley hits for power or not may not matter. You know, if he played with a second baseman like Ryan Sandberg did, he'd fit right in at first base mm-hmm. with a 40 homer second baseman, but. Uh, I think he does. He has infinite more value at center field, and I think he's just athletic enough and too much of a ball player to not make that work. So, yep. if Bernie Williams can play center field, uh, you know maybe that's a more realistic comparison. He's not a switch hitter. Uh, Bernie Williams at times did ask that defensively more and often than not. I think he was not, mm-hmm. but he was a guy who was a great hitter who also happened to have power. I think that's going to be Dustin Ackley, a great hitter with average power. I mean, I I think he's. Going to be a special offensive player, and I think he's going to steal bases too at the pro level. Yeah, so I, I mean, that speed's going to play. Has instincts. He was nineteen for twenty-two. I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just hasn't run as much this year because he's more in the three hole than the one hole. But right. uh, if he's a center fielder, I could see him in the one or two hole and being a top of the order, you know, kind of guy. Sure, so, sure. And, and Now you saw you saw Green. Uh, <coughs> I haven't seen Grant Green ever. I didn't see him in the Cape last year. I, I, I didn't see him. Uh, haven't seen him this year. What's your take on Grant Green? You saw him almost like when he was bottoming out because he's really seems like he's gotten hot since then.
1: Yeah, I did. You know, um, saw him up there and and you know just saw him taking infield before. He has he, he's he's more athletic than I had envisioned in my head for some reason. But he he's a he's a trim guy, um, smooth actions at shortstop mm-hmm. and and you know a good enough arm I would say. N- not an arm that really. Wow's you but right,
0: like Tulowitzki's arm stands out. Yeah, it see. does. Because yeah. he's been he's been compared so much to Tulowitzki and Longory. I think mean, that's just not fair to it's him. It's
1: not fair. I mean it, you know rarely is it fair to, to compare players to superstars. I mean it's right. just you know uh That's a great point. There's only know.
0: there's only Evan Longoria is who he is because there aren't that many players like him. Right. So why would you just assume there's another Evan Longoria around right. who's fused with Troy Tulewitzki, right. who's also a unique player? Yeah, it doesn't right. make so, sense. So,
1: you know, maybe maybe that contributed a little bit to his, uh, you know, the fact that he hasn't really gone out there and blown the doors off. You know, right. I mean, he's had a good season. It, it's pretty comparable to what he did last year, It's not, but it's not that big step forward everyone was hoping for, I think. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually,
0: um, especially on the power side. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I think that's the big issue. It seems like that I've run into if people are just. There's some questions on the bat. I know that the defensive numbers are messy. I think the defensive tools are there. I don't. I don't think that's a question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me. So.
1: Yeah. When I saw him, though, I mean, you know, I saw him take batting practice, and he was he was just hitting line drives. He wasn't Wasn't even showing the, any power in batting practice. Yeah. Um, and to me, you know, in the game, it looked like a guy that was just kind of going through the motions. It didn't—you didn't see that—that that outright enthusiasm. Yeah. You know that uh, that you really want to see from a guy who's expected to go that high and expected to make a lot of money.
0: Just what we talked about with Dustin Ackley. I mean. It's not that he's lackadaisical or anything, but you—you want to see the guy. In my mind, I like to see the guy who's the best player on the field, proved everybody else is the best player on the field, and act play like it. And, yeah. and act like it, play like it. Play with some fire, uh, dominate. Yeah. I want to see the best player on the field on the field be the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I've seen that consistently Billy, really for three years out of Ackley. That's why I'm a big Ackley believer. Uh, Southern California, it's it's a different deal. That that team the last couple of years has underachieved. Uh, they have a very fascinating pro- another prospect who's fascinating on in in his own right in uh, Robert Stock out there mm-hmm. for USC. But uh, and you also saw with the uh, you saw Washington. Uh, I forget who else you saw out there. Was there was, did you see Gonzaga as well? I don't remember yeah. who else was out there. Well, that was the time before. The when previous trip. Gonzaga. Oh, in Arizona yeah. State. Yep. You got to yep. see Mike Leak. Yep. Is Mike Leak the favorite player that you've seen this year, or would that be Dustin Ackley? Mike Leak is a guy <laughs> who imposes his will on a game. Sure. But he has a little more opportunity to do that yeah, with the ball. Yeah, I got to see Mike
1: Leak at Safeco Field, actually, which was a lot of fun. That is pretty cool. Um, and as far as favorite players I've seen. Yeah, he's he's up there. He's he's just so fun to watch cuz he's, you know, I got a root for the short guys, right? You know, <laughs> right. so he, he's a he's a smaller smaller pitcher and but just goes out there and just brings it. I mean, he has a no-nonsense attitude on the mound. You can just tell by looking at him. He wants to get everybody out, yeah. and he pounds a strike zone with, you know, four four or five different pitches that is he can throw pretty for strikes. Is that a good tempo as
0: well? Is that, is that his is yeah. tempo guy? Yeah. I, I mean, love guys like that. I love, that's why I like Justin Verlander. When he's going well, he's right back on the rubber, and he's just attacking hitters. You yeah, mean. he's aggressive out there. I get a little tired. No offense to Ken Revisa, <laughs> but I get a little tired of the Ken Revisa, uh, you know, the pitchers who... Do their breathing in between every pitch and take forever and walk around the mound a little yeah, bit. No thanks. Yeah, not for me. It's the Baseball America podcast. I'm John, he's Connor. We have a few questions at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Uh, let's take a couple of these. Uh, I know one of these is actually specifically a draft question from Joe Licates. Looking forward to what should be as usual while standing draft covered by everyone at BA. Thank you, Joe. Uh, also, wondering if we could discuss two fast rising prep players some of the reports you were hearing about them, Mike Trout and Daniel Fields. Uh he loves the toolsy guys. And that's uh, Joe. And uh you know, Joe Joe has asked a lot of questions and uh, these are they're usually good ones. That's why we usually answer them. Mike Trout sounds pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh he sounds like a guy who is all tooled up and he's got somewhere to go. Yep. But first off he runs. So you if you're if you're a high school player who runs and you have some present hitting ability those guys fly off the board usually. Yeah, they do. It seems like we have him in the first round, uh, or that first round mix. Uh, I've heard more heat on him than on Daniel Fields. I'm not hearing the Daniel Fields love. This is the kid out of of uh, Detroit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, certainly, Connor, we heard this during the Final Four, Detroit could use some good news. <laughs> That's true. I'm not sure if a kid out of Detroit getting picked in high school is going to necessarily make, you know, good news for the people of Detroit. But uh, I think Trout's got more draft helium oh, than Fields. And I think Trout's got a better chance to go high. I think we had Fields in that fourth, third or fourth round mix as opposed to Trout. Uh, do you yeah. remember any of those from our write-ups? Um,
1: I remember a lot about Fields, but Mike Trout, you know, there's a great uh, article that I just proofed for the for the first draft preview That's issue right. coming Nathan Roadie issue. Yeah, Nathan Rody went up there and saw him. Um, and what stood out to me about Trout, I mean – I guess what what scouts have loved. I mean, they've had some some real rough weather up there. Right. But uh, he's been he and his family have been very accommodating, and, and his high school coach at you know helping the scouts see him play because you know it's tough for scouts when they're trying to plan out their schedules absolutely. to get up there and and hope that it doesn't rain. And he has you know run into some bad weather up there. And so I guess he's been uh, putting on you know individual workouts and, and scrimmages that the that the scouts and cross-checkers have been, been able to see.
0: And I, didn't, I, think, I think I heard one part of the story was that basically the scouts in that area are almost arguing over whose meal was better that the mom made when they've <laughs> been on their home visits. Uh, it's been that level. And I think you bring up a, a good point that we, we've we also talked a little bit about. And you're doing the West this year. Mm-hmm. I've heard into this doing the West in the past. If you can't get a player, if you're an area scout and you, want, you really want to run a player up your list, if you don't can't get him cross-checked, well, then you just can't run them up your list, and you run into this a little bit. Yeah, and the usual areas, the four corners. It's yeah. almost like if a guy's not at a big time college out there, or it's just hard to see guys. Sure. out there. and that's also how you get pop up guys who race up lists. That's what happened last year with Stephen Fife in Utah. Mm-hmm. The one time he got cross checked, everybody saw him throw really well. Uh, it was Utah, New Mexico. Uh, he was there. Was another, New Mexico had their pitcher Bobby Laframbois. I think is his name. Mariners guy. That's yep. that's right. That's right. And uh, Fife was in there with Utah, and so it got cross checked. Like every West cross checker was there. That was their one time they were going to see Fife, and they were going to knock off sure. Lafrançois at the same time. And Fife was awesome. Mm-hmm. So Fife went from fifth to seventh round to whew, way up the list. That ended yep. up being a second rounder. So you've run into that with a couple players. It sounds oh, like. Yeah, yeah. One West. player.
1: One player that you know guys keep talking like that about is uh Max Walla at the Albuquerque Academy in New Mexico. I mean guys love his hit ability. He has some some really good raw power especially for his size. He's he's only about 5'11 and guys take take a look at him and sometimes they think that he kind of has a bad body cuz he's shorter, but this guy is a two-time state swimming champ and nice. he he's actually chiseled. I mean the, the kid has all kinds of muscles I didn't even know existed, you know? And uh, and so Sorry. so he can actually, I mean, he can hit, but he's just kind of out there in the middle of nowhere, and it's tough for, tough for guys to get second looks on him. So he's, you know, a guy that looks like he's going to go a little lower than where he might be if he were in – you know, San Diego or Phoenix or something like that. So, I really
0: think a lot of, this happens a lot with these players. I think a lot of the college bats, you know, last year's uh, Cape class wasn't necessarily great. Even some of the college arms who were good in the Cape, uh, like a Ben Toodle who's missed a month with a virus. Uh, I think some of those guys who people saw really well last summer are going to go really high this year, whether they've had great springs or not, mm-hmm. because the national guys have more history. National scouts have more history with those players than they have with others. So that's why the draft is such an inexact science. And you can talk about the numbers and all these kind of things if you want to. But to me, that's, that's that's a factor. Who sees you, how they see you, when they see you. For example, in my area, I'm doing the southeast this year. Florida is so chock full of talent. And there's not a ton of separation between LeVon Washington and, say, Bobby Bortring at the top. And a guy like Michael Ullman, who's like a fifth-round pick, but mm-hmm. has first-round power. Or a guy like Mike Zanino or some of the other high school catchers, J.R. Murphy, who's really moved up. Uh, Austin Maddock, who's moved down. There's so many catchers in that state. Um, I think it really depends on when you get seen. Dane Williams, a yep. hard-throwing right-hander out of, of uh, Miami-area high school who tore up his knee in this fall and has had a really good spring at times, showing like 95, 96-mile-an-hour velocity. So... Uh, really hard to get a read on, and I think that's why it's it's so unpredictable and so uh, hard to really uh, know who's going at the top. I, I really think it's going to be different boards for different folks.
1: That's true, and and even you know one one other thing I've heard. You know, this is my first year trying to put this whole puzzle yeah. together, but one thing I've heard is you know, especially the the cross checkers, they want to see these guys against good competition. Right. You know. Great point. Uh, it's one thing to hit you know and. 75 mile an hour fastball. Right, it's a different thing to hit. Um, you know, a guy who can actually pitch and has some velocity, and and that's it's more of an issue at the high school level. So that's why you know scouts love these, love when teams get into the playoffs late in the year and yeah. these these all star games and things like that. But I'm I'm seeing that even at the college level. I mean, you know, the Pac-10 for pitchers is a little down this year. There's yeah. not as many good arms. No doubt. And so. You know that could hurt some of the hitters in there, like um, a guy at UW, Dub, Kyle Conley. I've, yeah. been, I've been, you know, trying to find out about him and, and I mean, he one had thing I keep hearing, last
0: year, didn't he? I mean, he had a yeah, big year last year. He, uh, if he hasn't done it
1: already, I haven't checked the stats recently. But if he hasn't doesn't if he hasn't done it already, he's about to become U Dub's all time home run leader. Okay. Um, but the one thing I hear on him is that man, I wish you know, I wish we could really see him against some quality pitching because Pac-10's down a little bit this year, and it's there aren't a, good, a lot of guys that you can, you know, really point to that he's faced and go,
0: okay, well that's what he's going to face in the minor leagues. It's so amazing to hear that because, but it's, I mean, it's true. It's for sure, it's true. But I mean, like just say 2006, just four years ago, four drafts ago, you had Ian Kennedy on Friday, Tim Lincecum on Friday, <laughs> Brandon Mora on Friday, yeah. Greg Reynolds on Friday. Uh, uh, Oregon State had three pitchers who led them to the College World Series championship. You know, going that that year, uh, Arizona, I believe, Preston Gilman. But if they didn't have Preston Gilman, they might have had um, I out not of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I think John Malone might have still been around. Uh, it just it was crazy, sure. crazy talent in the in the Pac-10. Yep, pitching wise, it was four first round picks that year out of the Pac-10 just on Friday nights. Yep. And uh, you know a lot of those guys are already big leaguers or have been in the big leagues or have made an impact in the big, league, big leagues. So yep. uh, it's amazing how these things go in cycles. The West, I think, in, in general is down this year. It is. And it's, uh, and it's tougher to find some pop-up guys. Who's maybe your favorite guy? You've t- The guy that after you got off the phone with a scout, it doesn't even have to be a high pick. After you got off the phone with a scout or a college recruiter or something like that, where you, you got off the phone and you said, I've got to find out more about this guy. Has it been a guy like that that's really captivated you a little bit? Um one guy it's it's been kind of funny because you know,
1: you hear about a guy and you know, maybe maybe a scout mentions a player and then uh or a coach mentions, you know, oh, this guy's kinda of making some noise. And, yeah. and one of the, the funniest things I think has happened this year is that sometimes you'll ask a scout about a, per, a certain guy and they'll be like They'll be silent, and they'll be like, "How'd you hear about that guy?" That's right. It's like their secret guy, you know. And and one one guy, I've heard a little bit about like that. I'm still trying to to dig up some some stuff on, but a catcher in Arizona named Sergio Burrell. Nice. Um, 17 years old. Okay, so he's um, a high school kid. Now, he's a high school okay. kid. Yeah, he's a high school kid, and he's 17 years old, and has some power, uh, really soft hands. Um, he's Mexican, I believe, so he's bilingual. He has okay. a lot of, a lot of things going for him, and uh, he's one of those guys where I asked about him, and it was like. Man, how'd you hear about that guy, you know?
0: (laughs) That's outstanding. I love those kind of players, absolutely. I don't think I have anybody like that in the Southeast that I've dug up anyway, which is unfortunate. It probably means I'm not digging hard enough. There is a fascinating guy at uh, East Carolina named Devin Harris, who I thought about putting into our top 200. He's an eligible sophomore. Mm -hmm. The Southeast is just lousy with eligible sophomores. I mean, Kentrell Davis, all through the Southeastern Conference. Mm -hmm. There's so many draft eligible sophomores, and Harris is one of them. Obviously, East Carolina's in Conference USA. But he's really tools. He's like six two, two twenty. He's got a right field arm, but he had a lot of swing and miss there. And uh, you know, but in a year without a ton of college bats, uh, I have a feeling Devin Harris is going to get overdrafted. Overdrafted it doesn't—it sounds harsh. I think he's going to get drafted higher than maybe he would be uh, normally. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't have maybe third or fourth round talent. Right. He has third or fourth round tools. He just hasn't shown that present hitting ability. He's been one of the most fascinating guys, and then I am fascinated by the Billy Hamilton kid in Mississippi, yep. who's 150 pounds. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, exactly. What do you do? What do you do with that? But there's some deep cut guys in Georgia as well. Uh, the the D three kid I wrote about the other day, Sarisky. I don't know yeah. Thorpe. That's interesting. I'm starting to doubt the 97 that his coach told me, but. I, I still think this is a, it's a low 90s arm yeah. at a Division three school. He's an eligible sophomore, so...
1: Yeah, one interesting thing. I mean, you're talking about draft-eligible sophomores. You mentioned Chris Dwyer when yeah. we were first talking about this. Explain to, explain to our listeners
0: how somebody becomes a draft-eligible freshman. That's it's, really unique. It's amazing that he's 21 and he's a freshman, and Robert Stock is 19 and is a junior. I mean, Robert it's Stock... Wacky. Robert Stock skipped his high school senior season, so that's how that makes sense. He would have been young anyway yep. for his age group, but uh, he... Came in a year early, so that's why he is uh, as young as he is. But then Chris Dwyer uh, basically was held back a year in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And then I think when he was a high school junior, uh, or maybe he might have been a sophomore, he went to this prep school in Salisbury, Connecticut, Salisbury School. And instead of going in there as a junior, or whatever he should have gone in as, he mm. went in as a sophomore. Mm. So he lost a year in that translation as well. That's why he's already 21. Wow. He just turned 21 in April of his freshman year in college. That's goofy. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's, that's really goofy. That's crazy. I would have loved that as a college freshman <laughs> in some ways. But other ways, I would imagine that when I was a senior and I was like 24, I would have been like you know, tearing out my skin, trying to crawl out of my skin, trying to get out of college. Yep. So yep. Uh, I don't think Chris Dwyer will be a 24-year-old senior. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I, th- I have a feeling that uh, Chris Dwyer will be drafted this year. I think he'll sign. Uh, he's a left-hander who's shown – Above average stuff uh, at times, but he's been mm-hmm. very inconsistent. So uh, he's pitched like a freshman in that regard. And that's the unusual thing is that even the more advanced, the older guy would not pitch like a freshman. And yet the younger guy, Robert Stock, is the one who's shown the aptitude. Mm-hmm. He's in, he, after failing basically as a catcher, there's no other way to put it. He was hitting a soft 220 this year. Right. He's gone to the mound, and he's ninety ninety two, touching yeah. a 5 yeah. with a plus changeup and a serviceable breaking ball. So yep. pretty fascinating, and we have features on both those guys on Facing Pages along with Texas Fireballer Shelby Miller and then uh, Mike Trout. So yep. I, think we have a, I think we have a good uh, draft preview for you, and then I think we're going to have another one right after that. So it's going to be two great tastes that uh, hopefully go great together. So we've already run out of time, though, on the Baseball America podcast. We'll be back on Monday, Aaron and I, with our regular college podcast. Send those questions into us at podcast at baseballamerica.com, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, Connor, any, any last uh, thoughts on the draft before we sign off? I got to get back to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to go. keep writing guys up <laughs> here. We still, have, here. State, we still yeah. have state write ups to do, so that's all going to be at baseballamerica.com in the coming weeks. So for Connor Glassy, I'm John Manuel. Until next time, so long, everybody.